My name is Lauren Sienski, and I'm a deacon here at Metro Praise, and I just want to testify to you this morning. Um, I am five months pregnant right now, and my husband and I went to the doctor about two weeks ago, and uh, they found some, some little spots on my, on my daughter. And uh, what the doctor told me is that it could be an indication of Down syndrome or a chromosome problem. So what we did is we, we called the, the elders of the church, the deacons, and we asked them to pray for us. And um, it was a hard week, but, man, we knew that God was with us. We knew that God was faithful, and he wouldn't leave us in that time. We went back to the doctor um, on last Thursday, and another doctor said that they see nothing wrong with this child, that there's no chromosome disorder, that there's no abnormalities. And we just give God the glory and the honor for his healing power, for his faithfulness in our time of need. And this scripture really helped me during that time, and I know that it will help you during your times of need as well. It's Psalm 23. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for your healing power. We thank you for your faithfulness, oh God. And we ask you that your presence will be so real in this place today. We ask you, God, for signs and wonders to be here. God, we ask you, Lord, that your presence will just come now in Jesus' name. Go put your hands together. Worship you, Lord. Come and sing this song. Now I've got, here we go. Well, I've got river, living water, a fountain that never will run dry. Sing it out. And listen open. And listen open. Heaven, you're releasing. We will never be denied. Come stir it up. Yes, we're stirring up deep, deep wells. We're stirring up. We're gonna jump in the river, jump in the river. Yeah, we're swelling up deep, deep wells. We're swelling up deep, deep water. We're gonna dance, gonna dance. Boy, deep cries out, the deep cries out too. Deep cries out, the deep cries out too. We cry out, we cry out to you, Jesus. Team cries out, team cries out to, team cries out, team cries out to, we cry out, we cry out to you. Who's singing? I've got, I've got a river, a living water, a fountain, never, whoa. Listen open, yes, listen open, heaven, you're releasing, we will never be denied. Come stir it up, yeah, we're stirring up deep, deep wells, we're stirring up deep, deep waters, we're gonna jump, hey, we'll jump, oh, we jump for you. 
clap your hands. Worship you, Lord. How many are excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Oh, come on, this next part of the songs require you to move. So go ahead and get you some space. We're going to dance. We're going to worship the Lord. Here we go. If he goes to the left. And if he goes to the left. If he goes to the left. And if he goes to the right. Then we're going to the right. We're going to jump, 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 jump in the river. Jump, 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 everybody. If he goes to the left. If he goes to the left, and if he goes to the right, then we're going to dance. We're going to dance, 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 dance in the river. Dance, 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 everybody. If he goes to the left, if he goes to the left, and if he goes to the right, then we jump. We're going to jump, 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 jump in the river. Jump, 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 everybody. If he goes to the left, if he goes to the left, and if he goes to the right, shout it out. We're gonna shout, shout out Oh, deep cries Oh, deep cries out to Deep cries out to Deep cries out to Deep cries out to We cry out and we cry out to You Sing it one more time Deep cries you high five your neighbor and say I love Jesus do you come on ask him that question are you ready worship you Lord welcome to church this morning we worship you Holy Spirit come on if you can just lift your hands right now to worship it to God oh it's yours Lord Yes, we are yours, and we are yours. Yes, we are yours, Jesus. And we are yours, we are yours, we are yours, Jesus. We'll sing it out. We are yours. Sing it out. We are yours. We are yours. 
that's you, would you just place your hand over your heart? The time is now. He wants to draw you close. Or maybe you've been saved. Maybe you just don't feel the fire of God. Maybe you just don't know if he's there. Right now, would you just place your hands over your heart? The time is now. 
Awaken our hearts, oh Lord. Bring us back to Jesus. Bring us back to you, Holy Spirit. All over this room, would you just begin to cry out to the Lord? Bring me back to you. Bring me close. Bring me close to you. Bring me close to you, Lord. Bring us close. Come on, is there another word in this house? I am here. I am here with you. I am among you. I am here with you. sense of Holy Spirit in this place. Right now we just ask for the revelation of the Holy Jesus in this place. Holy Spirit's been just bringing us back to Jesus right now. We ask for a revelation of Jesus. If that's you, you just want a revelation of who he is. You just lift your hands right now and just call on his name. Just call on his name. Oh, Jesus. Lord, of who you are, our Savior, our Messiah, you are holy, Lord, who are you, Lord, who are you, Lord, who are you,
It all belongs to you. 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 It all belongs to Jesus. We have got to seek the face of Jesus for the souls of all mankind to come to know him. So we're going to be very specific today in our prayers. As you with the flag, as you guys come forward, and anybody else in your seat, if you want God to break you, for something inside of you to snap, for those that are lost, I want you to come. Come closer. Come all the way up to the front of this step right here. Everybody with the flags because it has to start with us. And before we start praying specifically for the five nations that we are personally supporting as Metro Praise, the five nations that we have churches in, I want God to do a work in our hearts. Because as Pastor Joe and Pastor Chris prepare to go to India at the end of this month, I want us as a church to get the heart of God for the lost. So let's just start praying. If you are filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues, please begin to do so at this time. Jesus, do what only you can do in our hearts. Because before we lift up the needs of the nations, we need you to break us, God. Help us to see souls the way that you see them. Help us to see people in darkness, God. They are bound up and chained up with religion of demons. And we speak freedom in Jesus' name. But I pray that you would break us. Give us eyes to see what you see. To see the 
eyes in the darkness and ears to hear the cries for help, God. As I was preparing for this time, I asked the Lord, what story can I share of missionaries from the past that have done great things for God and have seen revivals in their nations? What story can I share the countless that we've already spoken to you? The story of how the Moravian missionaries sold themselves to slavery so they could preach the gospel. The story of an old lady in Seoul, Korea who gave everything that she had to see revival in her nation. What story, God, can I share that would stir us up on the inside? And I felt the Lord speak to me and he wants me to tell you, what is your story going to be? What will your story be of how you impacted the nations? Because we cannot dwell in yesteryears. We have got to face missions in our heart today. What do the missions, what do the nations mean to you? What are they worth to you? Lord, I want you to lead us out in prayer that God would break us on the inside, that we wouldn't go one day without thinking about the loss of the nations, and specifically for Nigeria, Pakistan, the Philippines, India, and Nepal. So go ahead, Lord, and pray that we would be broken. Hallelujah, Father. God, I pray that you will touch every heart in this place right now, God that we would cry out for the nations, God, that you're, the nations of this world would be on our heart, God, because we know that they're on your heart. We cry out for, for Nigeria, God, for Nepal, oh God, for India, Jesus. God, we ask you for the nations, that there are metro praises, God, that there will be revival upon them, God, that you will give them power, Lord, in the face of persecution, God, when there's so much opposition against them, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you will give them power to stand, oh God. I pray for more nations to rise. I pray for your people and those nations to not be afraid, that they would see your power so strong, God, and I pray, Lord, that people in this church, God, even now, Lord, that our hearts would break for them, God, that we would realize that there's not a day that they go that they're not persecuted, that there's not a day that they go that they could walk the streets and say Jesus without being worried, that there's not a day that they go without fearing for their families, for their children, oh God, break our hearts right now, God, with that reality that they have to face every day. I pray that we wouldn't take for granted our freedom, God, the things that you have given us that we can worship with freedom, God. I pray, Lord, that we would not forget our sisters and brothers across this world, Lord, that we would lift them up, God, that they would feel the prayers of the saints, that they would feel it, oh God. We thank you, God, because we know that you are involved in the nations. We know that you love India. We know that you love Nepal. We know that you love our pastors over there and their families, God. We lift them all up to you, Jesus. We lift them up, God, and we ask you for prosperity over their lives. We ask you for our finances to break through in Jesus' name. We ask you, God, for protection in Jesus' name, for miracles, for signs and wonders, to follow the preaching of the gospel in Jesus' name, that Islam will be shut down in Jesus' name, that, that these other religions, God, that these fanatics will be shut down in Jesus' name, that your missionaries will prosper, oh God. In Jesus' name, we believe it, oh God, and we stand on your word, oh God. In Jesus' name. Yeah, hallelujah, Jesus. We ask God for freedom in the persecuted nations right now, that souls would be saved, God, 
that you would give our apostles and our pastors and our disciples there effective open doors of ministry for the gospel to be preached. Jesus, we ask that souls would come to the light, that they would come and profess you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' mighty name, hallelujah. Let's worship to this song together as we wave these flags in the air. We will stand in unity with our persecuted brothers and sisters across the world. And we will believe in the powerful name of Jesus will set the captives free. Because there is no other name in heaven by which men must be saved.
that the day of salvation is now. For those of you who are not living according to the commands of the Lord, you're not living the way that God wants you to, you have not repented of your sin, I want to tell you today that today is a day for you to be saved. We don't have time to wait. The time is short. You cannot keep putting Jesus off for when your life gets easier, you can't keep putting Jesus off. So when things become more convenient for you, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in with him and eat with them and they with me. I want to tell you today is the day for you to give your life to Jesus. If you had somebody knocking on the door of your house, whether if it was a neighbor, the FedEx man, how long do you think they would stay there for you to open? Maybe 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 90 seconds. But I guarantee you, they would not be there very long. And for some of you, Jesus has been knocking on the door of your heart for 30 years, 35 years, 20 years, waiting for you to open and let him in. And I want to tell you, time is running short because he will not be able to knock on the heart of your door forever. Your time will be up and you will face him on judgment day at the end of your life. And you will have to give an account to what you did with it. I want to tell you that it's his way or no way. I'm going to share with you quickly three things that will keep you from God's will. If you read with me, you can follow along on the screen. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. The first thing that will keep you from God's will today, from living for him the way he commands, are the cravings of your flesh, the physical desires, the sinful pleasures that keep wanting you to take you over. Until we confess our sin, sex before marriage, perversion, homosexuality, getting drunk, getting high, all the pleasures of this world cannot come before God. You cannot stand in his presence. You must repent today. They will keep you from living holy for God. The second thing that will keep you from God's will today are the lust of your eyes, wanting more than you have, coveting in, greed, in a greedy way. Because what you own is never good enough. You always want what somebody else has. You always want the next best thing because God has not fulfilled you. And lastly, boasting about what you have and do, the pride of life. You've earned it your own way. You've done everything by yourself. You never give glory to God. I plead with you this morning, get right with God. Open the door of your heart and let him in because the time is short. Today is the day to be saved. Amen. If you can all stand up with me to your feet, we're going to recite the confession of faith together. And I want to encourage those who just heard this short message. If that is you today, you know you have to get right with God. 
repeat this with us in the presence of all believers. And if you need somebody to pray with you or you want to get plugged into our church and join a life group, I want you to go to the back where David and Monica are right now. If you could just wave your hand really quick, they will pray with you and you can get plugged in. But I'd, I want us right now with power and excitement, believers in Christ, we're going to recite this together, the count of three, and we're going to believe it with everything inside of us. Are you ready? One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you for the cross. Be with us today. Have your way from the beginning to the end in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Watch you guys turn around, shake somebody's hand, get to know somebody that you've never met before.
God bless you as you make your way back to your seat. Good seeing you this morning. This is a special morning in Metro Praise. We are doing our baptisms. Amen. This is our first time doing it inside the church. So we are just excited that you are here this morning. We just really want to welcome you and just bless God for you. Look at your neighbor and just say, I'm so glad that you're here this morning. Amen. Look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, are you ready to get baptized? Amen. Because let me just tell you something. By the end of this service, if you have not been baptized and need to get baptized, we're believing God you're going to get baptized. It's going to be a great service. Amen. Well, welcome to our Sunday morning church service every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here. If you like it this week, you'll even love it better next week. It gets better and better. Amen. And so we just want to welcome you. If you are new here in the back, we have visitor information cards on all the different ministries we offer. And our heart is to love God and love people. Can I hear amen to that? Amen. We want to love God and love people. So keep coming, bring in your families. Even during this summer season, we know it's hot, uh, and we know that summer events come, and they're just all the time, barbecues, family events. We encourage you to be in the house of God. Lord willing, it will always be cool in here, but hot in the spirit. Amen. Our air conditioning works. Praise God. And then every Wednesday, we have encounter night. Can somebody say encounter night? Thank you. This is not a midweek service, so don't think, well, this is a typical midweek. No, an encounter night is a prayer meeting here to encounter God for the adults and then for the children, K through 5th, to go to Royal Rangers and Impact, which is like Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts for Jesus. So if you want to encounter God during the week, come here ready to meet face-to-face -face with God, to be encouraged. And if you're a young person or you have children, bring them here to get trained in the teachings of God. Can I hear an amen for that? <clears throat> Excuse me. Don't our children need Jesus? Amen. And then how about our teenagers? Elevate. Amen. Elevate youth group every Friday at 730. They're loving God. They're doing barbecues. They're doing cookouts. Tell us a little bit about what's going on, Pastor Adam and Elevate. Amen. Last week we had our... Uh our barbecue every Tuesday. We're going out to the beach again. We're back on track this Friday. Since this past Friday, we were out in uh, the retreat. We had a good time there. So just want to make the announcement: we are meeting here Friday, this Friday at six o'clock. Normal service. We're getting back on track. Tuesdays, going to the beach. Life group. Amen. Let's give it up for Pastor Adam and Pastor Elevate. Pastor Adam and Elevate. Come on. Amen. So today is our baptism service. It's going to be awesome and exciting. So don't leave. We're going to preach about it, and then we're going to do it. So just hang around. Hopefully it won't be a later service than normal, but it's going to happen at the end of service. And like I said, if you have not been baptized, we're going to believe, God, you get baptized today like John the Baptist style. Amen. We'll just throw you right in the tank. You're ready. Okay, we're going to talk about that. And then at the end of the month, last Wednesday, we do family nights. So those encounter nights are very special to us, but we always want to make time for families because a lot of people are busy working. Parents don't always get to be with their kids during the night, the evening. And so we made one night a month here at this church called a family night. Everybody say family fun night. Thank you. And that's the last Wednesday of every month throughout the winter, spring, summer. And this time we are doing an all-nations dinner. So we want you to come this last Wednesday of the month, July 25th, with a dish from your homeland, okay? So for me, that would be like a pizza, okay? So I'm going to bring some pizza. For you, it may be something different. Come and bring a dish. And if you don't have a dish, bring an appetite. Come on. Does anybody like to eat food? Okay, so come out, have fun with us, and that would be very special. The vision of Metro praise has never changed in seven years. Everybody say, love God, love God. and love people. love people. 
thank you. The vision, the purpose of Metro Praise, this church, where you are today, is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves. We want to invite you to do that with us. Jesus compels you to do that with us, to find a church, to love God, to seek him, to worship him, to learn to live that out wherever you are in your life. Each one of us are in different places in our life. We don't live in the same place. We don't work the same job. We don't have the same family structure. But every place where we are, we can love God and love people. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And our strategy to get this done is to connect you to the cross, to mentor you with the cross, and send you out with that cross to change the world. The first step in connecting to the cross, we believe, is to get involved in a life group where you can begin to share life together. Does anybody go to life groups and are you excited about them? Come on, does anybody like life groups? Amen. Life groups are our closest way to hanging out with the 12 disciples. Jesus came, made 12 disciples, and he hung out with them all the time. This is the closest way to do it. They are home Bible studies that meet in different leaders' homes, and they have food, fun, and fellowship. You're going to eat something, you're going to hang out, and you're going to have a lot of fun. And while you're there, you can grow and develop and connect to God. Do not go through this journey by yourself. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. And then in our second step, everybody say mentor. Mentor, at this place, you can then begin to say, I go to a life group. There is a life group leader in my life. Can they teach me the word of God? That life group leader promises you. We have them in this church dedicated to you meeting with you one-on-one. You might say, I have to work all the time. Well, they'll meet you before you go to work. You might say, I'm the mayor, and i got 20 things to do every day. Well, mayor, we'll come and meet you after work at 10 p.m. at the coffee shop. We'll We'll go wherever you are to get her done. Everybody say, get her done. So we start with the 101, and it's done one-on-one. These books are free online, or you can get them in the back. And they are simple steps to spiritual growth, how to pray, how to read your Bible, and how to live by faith. And then the second step we call Disciples That Make Disciples. It's a Sunday school that meets here in the morning, and begin, they begin to get trained to become the future leaders of the church. Jesus came not to make pew sitters, but he came to make disciples that make disciples. He came to make history makers, roof breakers, and rural changers. Amen. And so this church wants to connect you to the cross in life groups, disciple you through the 101 and 201, and then everybody go send. Say this with me. I've got to go so the world can know that Jesus saves souls. Amen. You've got to go so the world can know that Jesus saves souls. And we believe if we raise up 100,000 disciples in this city, we can make 50 churches here and make an impact right here in Chicago. Everybody say right here. Amen. And we can send out and plant 500 churches around the world. If you believe we can make a difference for Jesus, would you give him a hand clap of praise right now? Come on. Thank you. I believe we can. I believe we can. That's what Metro Praise is about. At this point, we're asking everyone to partner with us financially. We're raising $20,000 for the month of July for two specific things to change the world. Number one, for the budgetary needs we have here to do the mission work we do here. Bodequa Fest, over $1,000 plus. When we do youth events, all of those are free. We need to pay $10,000 back to our debtors and creditors here right now for the mission work we've already done. We need to replenish the supply. And then we need $10,000 for us to be able to travel to the parts of Southeast Asia at the beginning of August. I'll be taking a trip out there with Chris, and we will be visiting our churches in India. We were going to Nepal, but Pastor Madhav has canceled the trip due to security risk. And we trust our pastors. I was in Nepal last year, but he says this year the communist government is now even more... um, 
crazy towards the pastors, and he says, it will be a risk for me to gather all my pastors together and have you speak to them now. He said, it would even be, and I said, well, can we meet in the hotels? Because I'm like, <laughs> this just tells you I'm crazy for Jesus. The guy in Nepal is telling me not to come, and I'm going, really, I want to come. And so he's like, no, no, I can't bring the pastor. Even if you're crazy, I can't get all my pastors arrested. And then I say, what if we meet in the hotel? He said, pastor, it is so bad that they have people following us around and they will know that you're not a tourist and they'll wonder why you're here and they'll Google search you, they'll find out why you're here. You know, Joe Y. Rossick's not hard to find online, amen? Because that you have to give them your IDs and your passport. And they say, if they find out that you are a missionary and we're talking the gospel at this point, we will be arrested. So what we are going to do, because we're not letting the devil get, it, get the last laugh on this, we're going to fly him from Nepal to India, amen? So the monies are still the same, we just need to get him to where we are. So Lord willing, this is what we'll do, we're going to fly to Delhi. This is northern India, and then we're going to fly down to southern India, Coimbatore. When we are in Delhi, we're going to fly our brother from Pakistan because they've already denied our visa to go to Pakistan. I think we all know why we can't go to Pakistan. That's where they found Osama bin Laden. Pakistan and America are not getting along right now. If you're not into politics, that's what's happening. So they've already refused us. They're not letting us in. So we're flying our brother from Pakistan. He has 80 churches under him. He's going to fly down. Now Pastor Madhav, he's going to fly. And then down, he's got 15 churches in Nepal. And then we're going to meet in Delhi. And Delhi has 40 churches. And then we're going to travel together through uh, to the southern part of India, uh, Pastor Jabez has 80 churches there. And already, every one of them are telling me where we're going to be in Delhi and Coimbatore. They say we can possibly double the amount of churches we have with the trip that were there. So right now, together in Southeast Asia, we all have almost uh, 220 churches. The rest of our churches, we have five in Nigeria and 15 in uh, Philippines. But we have you know about 225. We may leave out of there with somewhere around 300 plus maybe 350 churches. Can somebody say amen? Amen. So simply said, we need your help to get out there. Now let's, let's just look at a scripture to why this is important. Philippians uh, chapter 4. If you could turn there with me quickly, please. Because I know what it's like to suffer during a time of a recession. My wife and I are cutting back. You're cutting back. I get it. So should we stop preaching the gospel now? Is that what we should do? I mean, we're all suffering. Shouldn't we stop? Do you know that the American people gave more during the time of the Great Depression than they're giving now? Why? Because in the Great Depression, we knew if God's not for us, man, we're going to be in some trouble. But if God is for us, who could be against us? If I could just encourage you today, I'm not a televangelist, and I'm not going to lie to you and say, if you send a $1,000 seed offering, you're going to get $100,000 back. And if you get this holy bottle of water and pour it on, I'm not going to lie to you all today. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. This is what I'm going to say to you, what the Bible says. Can I just preach the Bible? Somebody say, preach it. I want to show you what Paul said. They lived in the time of the Roman Empire. Christianity was illegal, and many of them had their properties confiscated. So because they were Christians, they were forced to live in poverty. Paul himself was a traveling apostle, like how I'm going to India for those nine days. That's what he did his whole life. He traveled from churches to churches to churches, raising up leaders. He got to a place where no other church could help him because the Christians were so impoverished. They didn't have anything. But these Philippian believers, the people of the city, Philippi, kept helping out. And brother, would you put it up? Philippians 4.10, please. It says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have received your concern for me. 
excuse me, you have revived your concern for me. Everybody say, revived our concern. Okay, what that means is they cared about Paul. And he says, I'm glad you, you are still caring. It's revived. And sometimes you might lose passion to help out the things of God, but it needs to be revived. He says, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. You see, some of you have cared about the world and the missions, but you've lacked opportunity to do something about it. Maybe your church wasn't sending out missionaries, or this is your first church that you're a part of since being saved. Well, now is an opportunity for you to do something about it. You look at the starving children on the channels, and you say, what can I do? You know, we all feel compassion. What can we do? Well, here's the thing that you can do. You can send us, me and Chris, Chris and I, to go there, to preach the gospel, to give them gifts and encourage them. That's a place to start right now, amen? That's what Paul was saying. He said, verse 11, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. How many know how to shop at Kmart? How many know how to shop in the mall? You can know how to do both. But how many know God never changes? Sometimes you got to shop at Kmart. These are some Kmart jeans, amen? But these are some shoes from the mall. you got to know where to go. This is a Target walk somewhere in between, Target. Amen. You, you've got to know where to go at different times of your life. That's what Paul is saying. And he said, I've learned to be content. So if you've got to be a Target shopper right now, don't feel bad. It's okay. God's with you. And if you get paid and get blessed and you can start shopping on Michigan Avenue, God bless you. Don't, don't think that's something wrong. God does want to bless you. We shouldn't hate. We should celebrate. Amen. We want to see people blessed. That's what, that's what the Bible says. He said, I've learned to be content. Let's keep going. He says, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. He says both, or excuse me, he says, uh, I know how to get along with humble means, verse 12, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. Both of having abundance and suffering need. Now look at verse 13. You've heard this before, but now you'll understand why. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Am I reading out of a different version? No wonder it sounds so weird today. I'm reading out of one of my study versions. That's what I'm doing, the New American Standard. Let me just read verse 12 again because I want you to hear it as you look up there. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. There we go. How many of you have started to learn that secret during this recession? you got to learn to be content in every situation, right? Well, let's look at the next scripture. He says, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, and I think we can all relate to that. Now look at verse 13. I can do everything who gives through him who gives me strength. So what that promise is for is for the person who wants to do good things but doesn't feel they can. It's not just to say, well, God, you know, I'm sick in the hospital. I can do all things. And we use that scripture to, to mean all things. And it does mean all things. And so we should apply it to being sick. We should apply it to our marriage troubles. Teenagers, as you get ready to take a test, Jesus, I can do all things. You know what I'm saying? You know, we should apply it. But where was the original context? Where did Paul bring it up the first time and go, I can do this? He brought it up in dealing with finances and preaching the gospel. Can I tell you I feel like that right now? 
It's like, God, it's almost like I want to say, leave me alone. Don't you know I come from a small church? We don't have money to go to India and Nepal. Come on, God, ask those other guys. God, this is too much for a church like us to do. You don't think I feel that? God, we don't have that. God, we need the money here. We're trying to raise to pay off debt while we're raising mission money. The simplest thing is just pay off your debt and stay home. But God is saying, you got to go. It's his will. And so when I get scared, I'm like, how are we going to pay bills here? Am I going to go out there? I'll be an Indian. I'll come back and they'll lock the doors on the church. We won't even have a building. We'll have 300 churches there, but no church here. By the way, if that ever happens, we'll meet in my house. We'll meet in the park. We'll meet somewhere. Amen. Come on. Somebody say the devil's a liar. But I hear, I hear the fear, just to let you know. Verse 14, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Oh, praise God for the Philippians. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. And why was Paul in trouble? Because he was trying to do so much good, and he didn't have all the monies to do it. Keep reading. Verse 15, it gets better. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. And I can say that right now. If Metro Praise does not help us, we're not going. No one is helping. It's Metro Praise. And I thank God. You know, some people told me to put it online to let others help because I was teaching in Bible college. Some people have been helping us, but... For the most part, it's always just been one church sending us out. He says, moreover, verse 15, you Philippians know in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel when I set out from Macedonia, not one church was with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, that was another city. And it's real easy to say, I only care about Chicago. I don't care about Delhi. I don't care about Kathmandu. And he's telling them, see, I was in Macedonia. I was in Thessalonica. And you Philippians, you still cared. You were helping me go there. He said in verse 17, not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. Will everybody just look up at me, please, and just take a moment to understand this. You have a choice to make right now. Is the pastor talking about monies because he wants your money, or is this pastor talking about monies because I want to see God bless you? That's what Paul, Paul had to, he had to say, now that I, not that I am looking for a gift, I'm looking for what can be a credit to your account. You have, you have to decide whether you believe that or not. I'm not looking for your money, friends. I'm looking for God to bless you through giving. That's what he said. Amen? Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given back to you. Look at your neighbor and say, that's what he said. Amen. Verse 18, I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I've received your gifts from Epaphroditus, the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice. Everybody say acceptable sacrifice. Amen. How many know if somebody gives in this missionary offering today to clear off $20,000, how many know if it's $1 or the full $20,000, it's going to be a sacrifice for this church to give? Amen. And he says, thank you for sacrificing. And now I want you to see verse 19, the verse we all say in this church and have for seven years. This is what he says. He doesn't say it to the guy today sleeping in to go out to the lake to catch a good weekend because he's got a five-dayer since uh, 4th of July. He didn't care about church. He's going to spend it all out there on on beer and hang out with his friends. God's not promising it to that person. This promise of provision is to the church that makes sacrifices so that their leaders can preach that gospel so the souls can be saved. He said, and my God, come on, my God, will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus to our God now. And Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. 
That's what I'm preaching today, friends. I believe when we give, when I give, when we give sacrificially, when we give acceptable sacrifices to the Lord in the name of the gospel, Jesus partners with us and begins to supply the needs we have. Amen. As we prepare to receive tithes and offerings today, on your envelope you can see Building Fund or Mission. Both of them are going to this today and for the month of July. We believe in 10% belonging to the Lord. That's our tithe. The offerings, what we offer above that. If you give today anything extra above your tithe, thank you, thank you, thank you. We need your help desperately. We would not waste your time. 10000 needs to clear off debt here for the things we are continuing to do that go above budget in a time of recession. And 10000 so we can change the world. Would you stand with me now, please, and let's pray God. Pray to God to ask for his blessing. Because I guarantee you, if you look what's in your hands, you may not have it. Like that, that, that credit card commercial, what's in your wallet? Ain't a whole lot, Jesus. But how many know God's hands are a lot bigger than ours? So you shouldn't be looking at your hand, your wall. Let's ask God for some big, big seed to sow. Let's say, God, I don't have it, but Lord, how much would you want to give to me to go through me? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for this church. Seven years, you've paid the bills. For four years in a row, we've, this, this is our fourth mission trip, God. We've gone overseas. We support God in those five nations every month, the gospel and the books and the materials. And, Lord, now I ask you to do it again. And, Lord, I know the heart of the people here because I talk to them, I pray with them, and I feel so much compassion, God, for so many who have lost jobs or underpaid, underemployed. And, God, we ask that as we do this in obedience to you like the Philippians, that, God, you will meet all of our needs. And even as we do it and it hurts because sacrifice doesn't always feel good, that, God, you'll give us the strength to do all things. And God, I pray like you taught us to pray for the leaders of our nation, for kings and those in authority. God, would you give wisdom to our president? Give us the voting uh, wisdom to choose the next president, God. And give us, uh, God, the blessing upon our Congress and Senate to choose the right path. Businessmen, bankers, God, let corruption be rid from our land. Let greed be rid from our hearts. And God, we ask you to bless America, this land that we love, oh Lord. Because we put our trust in you and not the dollar bill today. Bless your people and bless our children to our third and fourth generation. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Amen. Let's confess this word on the count of three as our word. One, two, three. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Will you come rejoicing as you give today? Thank you so much. Let's change the world together. God bless you. question for everybody in this room. Thank you for coming this morning. The question for what do you believe is what is the perfect authority of God over mankind? What is the perfect authority of God over mankind? Could it be the church? Oh, you, everybody's in this church. God authorized it. Y'all are here. No, it's not. 
The answer to the question is the Holy Scriptures from Genesis to Revelations. It is the Word of God, the Bible itself. You have it in your lap. Have them in the back right here. Okay? It reads in first, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen? All right, so we understand that the Scripture is the authority over our lives. Correct? All right. Now, um, King David says in Psalms 119, verses 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. When you keep God's authority in your heart, it will keep you aware of sin. It will keep you in line with the word of God. And it will keep you obedient so you may live holy for the Lord. Then the Lord says, be holy as I am holy. So as we stay in, under, authority of God's, uh, under the authority of God's scripture, we will be in line with the Lord. Amen. Now, that's what I believe. Now, look to your neighbor and ask them, what do you believe? All right. Let's find it's, it's, it's been a couple of things to think about that. Pick up the phone, nobody's home, I'm all alone. We've all been here before. Yesterday, I saw change another way. As you walk down the door, take a few minutes to discuss that. What do you think about the Bible? Is it the ultimate authority in our lives? We've had enough, we've had enough, and now we're holding on and waiting. What do we know? What do we know? What do we know? What do we know? Take a few more moments, maybe ask the neighbor on the other side, see what they think. What do you believe is the word of God, our authority? Do we need an organization to tell us what it says? Can the Bible speak to us? Just a few more seconds. What do we know? What do we know? What do we know? What do we know? Start to wrap that up. Let's get ready for the word this morning in the house of God. I want to talk to you today about baptism. Open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter eight, uh, 28, verse 18. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Everybody say baptism. Thank you. Today is a special day for us because we are doing baptisms right here in the hot tub up here. Hey, Amen. Isn't this thing cool? Borrowing this from City Lights. God bless them. One of my friends in the city. We've always done our baptisms at the winter and summer retreat, but we wanted to do it here to invite family and friends, and we wanted you as the congregation to see it. And so there are people who are already ready to get baptized today. Some of you need to get baptized and you're not ready, and hopefully by the end of this you will be ready. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, gives us the command of Jesus to be baptized. How many think if Jesus said it, we should believe it? 
Amen. Jesus' words are, are important to us. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So how are we going to baptize them? In the name of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So baptism is a part of God's commands and baptism is for everybody. Now a couple things that I want you to think about are these questions that I hear all the time about baptism as a pastor. So let me go through these and take good notes so you can share them with your friends because some people may not believe the same way. And let me just start off by saying this. We don't wish to offend you on purpose, okay? If you get offended, that's okay because truth sometimes offends us, okay? Sometimes when you're going the wrong way on a one-way street and somebody gets in front of the car and goes, hey, you're going the wrong way, they're not thinking about whether or not you're offended. They don't want you to hit their kids. Are you listening to me? And so if truth offends you, that's okay. I'm glad truth is in your life today. You're going to hear some truth. But I don't want to offend you. Joe does not want to offend you. I don't mean anything against what you've been taught as a child. I don't mean anything against where you have gone, maybe to other churches. But I believe this is the biblical truth. And if you've come from another place and they're willing to debate it, we will debate baptism as we've debated Mormons and Muslims and other religions in this church. We will do it in our Sunday school in the morning. So we are open if you feel there is a disagreement to this. We will help clarify it because a lot of Christians have baptism wrong. And that is sad, but it is true. So let's go through it. What is water baptism? Well, the Greek word actually means baptizo. Everybody say baptizo. And it simply is a Greek word to submerse. So you could baptize your chicken if you were washing it and marinating it, getting ready for the, uh, the barbecue. You would say in the Greek, I'm going to baptizo this chicken. I'm going to submerse it. Okay? Did anybody marinate some chicken before they put it on the grill? Come on, otherwise it gets a little dry. You know what I'm saying. Dry, so you got to marinate it. So it just simply means to submerse. Now, what does it mean for the Christian? Water baptism is to be submersed in water as an act of obedience to faith in Jesus Christ. So it's not just saying, well, I'm going to go in the pool and just dunk myself down. No, there is a belief, a confession, and someone from the church is performing this, and it is a public sign that you are coming to Christ. Now, I need you to quote, uh, to get your Bible scholar hat on with me, your I can find a scripture fast fingers because I want to show you a lot of scriptures today. So try to keep up. Some of them will be up there, and the ones that aren't up there, uh, you have to look up quickly. Okay, so let's go to Matthew three thirteen. And I want to show you the pattern, starting with John the Baptist in the New Testament, which is how he got his name, John the Baptizer, John the Submerser. That's what he did. We see in John, uh, excuse me, Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 and onward, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. That would be pretty cool if we went to the river today or to, uh, you know, Fox River. Anybody been to Fox River? It's a little dirty, but we'll baptize you there. How about Lake Michigan? That's a little better, right? How many of you would like the Atlantic Ocean somewhere in the Bahamas right about now, you know? Okay, that's where you want to be baptized. Okay. So anyways, he went to the Jordan River, but John tried to deter him and say, I need to be baptized by you. Why do you come to me? And so there was this sense of, hey, Jesus, you should be baptizing me. But as you hear from Jesus, he says, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. So Jesus even got baptized because he was the perfect man. He was to set the example for everything we were to do. Jesus obeyed the Father's commands. Can I hear an amen? 
Now look, as soon as Jesus was baptized, submerged, he went up out of the water. So this tells us that sprinkling is not correct. He is in a river, he goes down, and when he comes up, see, somebody say he comes up out the water. It says, up out the water. At that moment, heaven opened. The Spirit of God descended on him like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with whom I am well pleased. So we know that it is important to be baptized because Jesus himself was baptized. Now, the difference between our baptism and Jesus' baptism, he did not have to confess sin. But to be righteous, right with God, he went through the act to show us that he is our example. So that's what it means to be baptized, an act of obedience to faith in Jesus Christ. He was putting faith in his Father. And don't you love this baptism? The Father speaks from heaven and says, I'm proud of my boy. Y'all listen to him. That's my boy down there. Come on. Doesn't that make you excited to hear that the father is proud of us when we obey his commands? He says, this is my son. The father was at his son's baptism. He says, I love him, and I'm well pleased with him. So how much more should you look at your baptism today if you're not ready to get baptized to change your heart and to change the way you think about it and say, I'll get baptized because I know it will please my father. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So next question is, who is to be baptized? Because a lot of people come up to me. Now, this is a very important statement. It is all persons who profess faith in Jesus and confess their sins, Acts 2, 38 through 41. Sometimes we think it's all the elite Navy SEAL Christians who've been saved for two years and are now perfecto. Those are going to get baptized. No, my friend, this is not uh, waiting till you get perfect to get baptized. You know how I would look at that because people say I'm not ready to get baptized? It's like you saying to God, God, I'm going to wash my car first, and then I'm going to bring it to the car wash. Hello, I'm going to get my life right, and then I'm going to get baptized. No, put your faith in Christ, get baptized, and let him change your life. Let him change your life. Amen. So who gets baptized? All those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost, just like Jesus had preached, and many people get saved. They're out there in Jerusalem. Verse 38, uh, and they say to Peter, what shall we do to be saved? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized, and 3,000 were added to the number that day. Everybody say that day. So the day they heard the preaching and they said, I have faith in Jesus Christ, they found some river, they found some well, they did something, said, y'all getting baptized right now. Now how many know they could have said to themselves, but I'm not ready, Pastor. I wasn't prepared to get baptized today. I've got my hair do. I've got to go out after this. How many know that they were just at a party? They were at Pentecost. They were in the middle of Jerusalem, like at the taste of Chicago. They heard the preaching. And then Peter says, you believe it? And they said, yeah. He said, let's go down here and get baptized that day. Somebody say that day. Thank you. Let's go to number three. When are believers to be baptized? And we could say that day or at the soonest point after salvation. Look at Acts chapter 8. Now go a few uh, uh, chapters over. The book of Acts stands for the Acts of the Apostles. So we're learning from their pattern. We should do like what they did. So for Peter, it was a pattern to baptize people the same day they got saved. 
And we still hear this today in churches that have baptismal tanks. They'll do baptisms every Sunday night. They'll say, if you got saved this Sunday, come and get baptized. You got saved on a Wednesday, come that night and get baptized. Every week they're saying, hey, get baptized and follow the commands of God. Amen? Well, here's a story about a eunuch, and Philip the evangelist is preaching to him. Uh, a eunuch is a servant in, the, in a king's court, and he's a eunuch because they did some mean things to him. Okay, and we'll just end it at that. Kids, you can ask your parents what they did to him. But he was a eunuch working in the king's courts, and he was on his way back home, and Philip starts preaching to him, kind of like Jared witnessing to somebody there on Michigan Avenue as they're, as they're way back home, maybe a tourist. And the eunuch asked Philip, said, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Because the, the, the eunuch was reading the scriptures. And then Philip began with that very passage of scriptures and told him the good news about Jesus. Somebody say good news. Thank you. And as they traveled around the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I get baptized? Hello, somebody. Come on. You know you love Jesus. If you're the one pointing it out to the, the preacher... You should be coming to me going, Pastor, there's some water up there. Why shouldn't I get baptized today? That's right. You got yeah, nothing stopping you, baby. Get baptized. That's how your heart should be. That's what the eunuch said. Hey, there's some water. I've just put my faith in Christ. I've only been a Christian for about two minutes. But, hey, let's get it done right now. Praise God. Verse 38, he gave orders, stopped the chariot. Then Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. So it wasn't sprinkling, into the water. And Philip baptized him. Isn't that awesome? Okay, so what is water baptism? To be submersed, not sprinkled, to be submersed in water by putting your faith in Christ. You don't have to be a super Christian to do this. Who does it? Anybody who does puts their faith in Christ. It's for you. And then number three, when are believers to be baptized? When you say, I believe? As soon as possible. As soon as you can find some water with a leader from the church that's willing to baptize you. Amen? Here's to a controversial subject. Like I was saying before, I do not intend to be offensive in any way. But some would say, well, I was baptized as a child either from a Roman Catholic background or a Lutheran background, and they would say, I was baptized as a child. I don't need to be baptized again. And the question is, are infants to be baptized? And the clear, simple answer from the Bible is no. There is no record anywhere in the Bible of an infant being baptized. And I'm going to put up a video on Facebook that talks about infant baptism for an entire hour if you have come from a different uh, understanding. But let me give it to you in short. Number one, there's no place in the Bible Jesus or the apostles anywhere baptize a child. So right there and then, that stops. Right there. If Jesus did not do it, why are we doing it? Are you all listening to me? The second thing is baptism is only reserved in the New Testament, as it says in Acts 2.38, for those who confess their sins. I don't know about you, but a uh, one-month-old baby is not confessing sins. They're not saying, goo, goo, ga, ga, I, I sinned against my mom, I was mad, I was angry, I cried all night. You know, they're not going to confess their sins. And number three, baptism is supposed to be a sign to the public of a testimony of you choosing Christ. It's a public sign. That's why you do it publicly. Some people are like, I don't like crowds. I don't want to do this. You know, I'm embarrassed. No, baptism is purposely done in public. It's, it's not supposed to be done in your bathtub when nobody's looking. Just baptize me, okay? Just, you know, just baptize me. I put on my little shower cap. You just baptize me. No, you're going to come up here and do it. You're going to come right here and do it because it's a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ. That's what it was, and that's what it will always be. And a child cannot do that. Number one, Jesus never did it. Number two, they never confess their sins because they don't have the ability to do that. Number three, they cannot publicly profess their faith in Christ. 
So what about children who die? Now, people say, well, we got to do this so if they die, they'll go to heaven. The Bible says they already have a place with the Father. He says that the kingdom of God belongs to the children. So that's what he said. So I don't have to go beyond that and go, well, I just want to doubly make sure you're going to take care of them. No, he already said, I'm going to take care of them. He didn't say the kingdom of heaven belongs to them, so now bring them to me so I can start baptizing all of them. No, he said the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. He laid his hand on them and he blessed them. And that's why we do baby dedications. We bring them up here and we say this child belongs to God. We lay our hands on them and say Jesus bless them and their family. That's what Jesus did. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say don't get mad. We just want to be like Jesus. Amen. That guy. That's the guy I want to be like. And, uh, and I can tell you why it came out in history. Well, two reasons. The number one was a political motivated reason is because if you were born into the Roman Catholic Church around 400 A.D., then that meant you were obedient to the kings of the land. See, politics got very much involved with religion. And so this determined who you were by religion. When you were born, you are now Catholic, and you belong Catholic, and you are going to stay Catholic. And that's how it started, my friends. I don't want to be offensive. And they actually made a royal decrees from the papacy, from the Vatican, that if you got baptized again as an adult, that they would put a death penalty on you and they would not allow you to have any inheritance any rights in their land because you were denying the Roman Catholic faith I'm telling you the truth. You can study the Reformation. So there's a video that goes all into the depth of that, and it's from a trusted scholar, John MacArthur. You can trust him, biblical scholar. But the bottom line is the Bible just doesn't teach it. And for those two reasons, we can't do it because they can't confess sins and they can't confess Christ. And then lastly, can someone be rebaptized? Yes, if they fell away from God, backslid, they must repent and start over. Turn with me quickly to Ezekiel chapter 33. And this does not mean that they get baptized again and again and again every time they sin. But Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 13 introduces to us the fact that somebody can walk away from their salvation. Will you keep up, uh, brother, please, and put these up here so they can see them. Salvation is a gift. No devil in hell can take that gift from you. This is a gift God gave you. The devil can't come and take it, but you can give it back. You can deny the Lord Jesus in your heart and continue in sin. Hebrews gives five different warnings against us walking away from God, and there's different stages that you see in these warnings. I did a whole paper on it, and I have a blog on it in seminary. And the bottom line is this. Sin will come into your heart. It will harden your heart. You will lose your conscience, uh, your, uh, the conscience that you have toward sin, and you won't be convicted. Then you'll continue in sin and you won't repent. Continual sin without repentance will separate you from God. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, it brings death. So for the believer who sins, the believer is to come back quickly to the Lord and repent and remain in that right standing. Can I hear an amen? Amen. I just do not have time to get into the details of soteriology here with you, the study of salvation. But the bottom line is this, and I think everybody here gets the point. If you live for Jesus, you're doing good. If you don't, you're doing bad. Are you all listening to me? If you're doing bad right now, get baptized and live for Jesus and do this the rest of your life. Amen? Okay? Here it is. Ezekiel chapter 33, 13 says it very simply. If I tell the righteous man that he will surely live, Ezekiel's a preacher and God's telling him what to preach. He says, if I tell the righteous man that he will surely live, but he trusts in his righteousness and does evil, none of the righteous things he has done will be remembered. He will die for the evil he has done. See, this is a lie that people believe today. Once you're saved, you're always saved. So once God forgives you and now you've done a cool couple righteous things, some things like going to church, reading your Bible, and you're like, I got this thing down. 
I'm just going to go back out to the clubs. I'm going to stop reading my Bible. I'm going to just live however I want to live because he loves me and I'm going to heaven. The Bible says if that righteous man just starts to think because I did righteous things, I'm okay, and currently starts to do evil, he will die. The Bible says he will die, and look at just scroll down so we can see that. I don't want to see any other passages but 13, please. None of the righteous things he has done will be remembered. Come on, somebody say, that's scary. Think about you standing before God. The Bible talks about in the New Testament because some say, well, that's just the Old Testament. That's in the New Testament. Jesus says, some will come to me on the day of judgment and say, did we not heal the sick in your name? Did we not feed the poor? Did we not do all of this? And Jesus will say, depart from me because I never knew you. Don't you think those preachers are going to go, come on, of course you knew me. We talked all the time. But, he's, but the word know there means a type of intimacy. It's a type of intimacy. He's saying to them, we're not close anymore. And how you live now is nothing like me, and your righteous deeds will not be remembered, and I'm going to judge you on those deeds. So let me tell you a personal testimony. So I grew up in a Christian church, and my parents, like any good parent, wanted me to get baptized as a young child when I could you know, understand sin and I did things wrong. So I was eight years old, and I had to go to some classes in the Christian church, and they taught me what it meant to live for God. And they said, you want to get baptized? And I said, yes. But then I began to live in sin. I began to, by the time I was 11 years old, break into houses. And I started smoking, and I started drinking. And around 15 years old, a new youth pastor came to our church, and all my friends started getting saved. And I got zealous. I was like, man, I want to live for God now. And you know what? I then got baptized again, and I said, God, I'm going to live for you. But a few months later, I went back to the world. And I started to live for the devil. And I got even worse. And then at 18, when I gave my heart to God, I went to Bible college. And we were in the pastoral ministries class. And we were learning how to marry, bury, and baptize pastors. We have to learn how to do that, how to hold the head, dip you back. We actually were in a pool practicing to baptize. Isn't that cool? Like you see a bunch of pastors in a pool practicing. You know what I'm saying? No, no, no. you got to do it like this. And I was just like, you know, like with my friend. And he's like, no, that's not how you baptize. So we're doing it, and then the pastor says what I'm saying right now while we're there. And he goes, some of you may have to rededicate your baptism as you did your life to the Lord. And I never heard that. I said, well, you know, I'm right now. And he showed me that. I go, man, that's right. I had to get saved again. I had to get filled with the Holy Spirit again. I had to make all of those things right again. Why not do it right with baptism again? And praise God, the third try was it. In 17 years, I'm serving God. Now, here is the thing. The baptism wasn't the fault. It was my fault. And you might say, well, Pastor, that's the reason why I don't want to get baptized right now. No, saying that I want to live for the devil is not an excuse, okay? If you choose to live for God, look at the example of me living for God 17 years, not the teenage rebellious kid who lived for the devil five years. See the example. Once I got baptized and made my mind up, that was it. Amen? Because everybody's like, well, that's not my time. Like, why do you hear the negative example? How about you take the example when I've been saved for 17 years? Amen? Amen. Let's go back to those questions and go over them quickly. And then I want to share with you a couple things. And we're going to baptize today. So glad you're here. What is baptism? To be submersed in, in water as an act of faith in Jesus Christ. Number two, who can be baptized? All those who put their faith in Jesus. Number three, when are believers to be baptized at the soonest point of their salvation? Number four, are infants to be baptized? No. And can someone be rebaptized? Yes. So I want to teach you now today three things concerning baptism. Three things that you need to know that God wants you to know from his scriptures. Number one, one reason. 
reason why today you should be baptized if you have not already. Number two, one benefit from being baptized today. Everybody say today. Come on, let's say ahora, right now. And number three, one sin you will commit if you're not baptized today. Everybody go, ooh. Okay, let's get into this message and hear what God is saying. Mark chapter 16, 15 through 16 says these words. It's another command of Jesus, just like Matthew 28, and it is the command of believing the gospel and being baptized. Here it is. Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized, let's say it again, whoever believes and is baptized will be what? Saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, there is one other lie that we want to take off the, uh, take off the table here, the theological table, because it's a lie as well. Some churches teach, unless you're baptized, you're not saved. And they'll use this scripture, and they'll say, see, I have to believe and be baptized to be saved. But if you continue on, it clarifies itself, but whoever does not believe is condemned. So what makes you saved or damned is the belief. It doesn't say and whoever is not baptized is damned. Are you listening to me? Because if baptism was a component to be saved, it would have to be contained in the negative as well. So the way you are saved is by faith, but the direct result of that is you will get baptized. You will be obedient. And if you do it that day, you are better off to do it as soon as you possibly can. But where your damnation, where the damnation of the world is upon, it's not upon any religious work. Damnation simply comes to those who do not believe in Christ. Are you all listening to me? Amen. Now I want to ask yourself a question. If you're here today and you're not willing to be baptized because either you were baptized as a child and now hearing the Christian message, you're saying, well, I'm just not ready to do that. I wasn't taught that. Or if you're here and you're saying, man, I was baptized like Joe at a certain point in my life, and I didn't just sin and repent, sin and repent. I actually walked away from God. You know in your heart, if you would have died, you would have went to hell. God would say, I wouldn't know you, don't know you. And you're saying, but I'm not ready to do it because I'm not sure now I can actually live for God. I want to ask you a question to both of you. Either you were baptized as a child and you just think, well, my church taught me differently, or you know, I did that when I was a teenager, as a young adult. You know, I backslid, I drank, I partied, but I'm good now. That counts. I want to ask you a question. Are you better than these guys? Are you better than Jesus? Jesus was baptized as an adult. See, I have already had some people tell me from Facebook because I was inviting. They said, you know, because I tagged them in there because I know they need to get baptized. And they're like, what, are you trying to embarrass me, say I'm a pagan? No, I'm trying to honor you and get you blessed. What, are you better than Jesus? Jesus was not ashamed to go down to the water. And John, John the Baptist was like, hold on, we shouldn't be doing this. I should be you should be baptizing me. I shouldn't be baptizing you. But Jesus said, no, it's right for me to get baptized. Are you better than Jesus, the one who got baptized? How about Paul? In Acts 9.18, when Paul gave his life to Jesus, a preacher came to him and said, Paul, are you ready to live for God? He said, yeah. He said, let's get baptized today. Paul got baptized the day the preacher came to him. Paul the Apostle, a grown man who had been in the Jewish faith his entire life, was known to be a leader to the community. He was a teacher in the synagogue. But when he got saved, the preacher said, it's time to get baptized. He got baptized. You can read about Paul getting baptized. And here's one specific story I want you to see. John's apostles, uh, John's disciples, look at Acts chapter 19. You remember John was baptizing John the Baptist. That's why he was called that because he was a baptizer. 
Well, Jesus then initiates a new baptism after John's baptism. So John was a prophet in the Old Testament. Jesus is the initiator of the New Testament. So there was John's baptism that Jesus and those guys received, and then there was Jesus' baptism that from that point forward you had to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everybody go, aha. Okay, so guess what? In chapter 19 of the book of Acts, while Apollos was at Corinth, he was hanging out doing his thing, good guy. Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. What were these people? So they were good people, right? Somebody say disciples. Man, they're awesome guys. He finds he's traveling along the road. He stops at a truck stop or whatever of his day, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed the boom shakalaka? They said, no, we haven't even received or uh, even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. So they didn't know about the day of Pentecost and the boom shakalaka coming down. They're just like, we just went into the water, confessed our sins, and John baptized us. He said, so what baptism did you receive? Verse 3, John's baptism, they replied. uh, Paul then said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on him, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Come on, somebody say, Holy Ghost. Amen. Isn't this exciting? And let me clarify another error. I got some other errors coming to my mind. There's a group of Pentecostals that use our name. They have broken away from the Spirit-filled church in the early 1900s. They claim to be the originals, but they are not. They they tell a lie when they say that. They changed our doctrines. The Spirit-filled Pentecostal brothers in the very beginning, in the early 1900s, Azusa Street, were all Trinitarian like us, baptizing like us. But there began to become some type of confusion from some of these unlearned teachers. And they began began to read scriptures like this, and they said, well, we shouldn't baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We should only baptize in Jesus' name. And then they began to say, well, those guys spoke in tongues when they got baptized in Jesus' name, so that's what you need to do. And then they said, if you're not baptized in Jesus' name, speaking in tongues, and putting your faith in Jesus, now you're not saved. And they call themselves Pentecostals, but that is a heresy. That is a false doctrine. Everybody say, Muli Mal. That's very bad. We love them, but it is a false doctrine. I have debated and spoken to them, and we continue to try to teach them. When it says baptize in Jesus' name, what it says is in the authority of Jesus' name because the previous verse says, whose baptism did you get? And it was John the Baptist's baptism. But that doesn't mean when John the the Baptist baptized him, he said, now in the name of John the Baptist, I baptize you. And even though it would be more appropriate to say, in the name of Jesus, I baptize you, you, but that wasn't what it meant in the name of John or in the name of Jesus. What it simply meant was whose baptism, what kind of baptism are you getting? Are you listening to me? Because how we are to do it in actual function is in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, because Jesus is not the only person of the Godhead. There's the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They want to come show up to the party too. Amen? Now, what we see here is that they were already baptized, but it wasn't the correct baptism. And they were willing to get baptized again that day. So I want to ask you a question. Are you better than those disciples? 
Those disciples could have went back to Paul and go, no, man, I've already been baptized in John's baptism. You shouldn't ask me to do that right now. I mean, I'm just on my road to go do some good things for Jesus. And Paul said, no, 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 no. Your baptism was not sufficient for the time of what Jesus is teaching now. This is the correct baptism. And that's what I'm saying to you. If you were baptized as a child, that is not the correct baptism. You need to be baptized as an adult today. And if you have backslidden since a time of a genuine conversion and you're saying, I want to get my life right and you believe in Jesus, today is the time to get baptized and make it genuine. Everybody say amen. Some of you are like, gulp. Well, good thing I didn't bring any clothes. We bought clothes for you to get baptized in. <laughs> amen. We got towels. We've got the shorts that where everybody who gets baptized gets a Jesus Chicago for Jesus shirt. And we went and got shorts and things to, for you to wear to be appropriate. We are ready to baptize in Jesus' name. Amen. Now you're really scared. That's okay. It's up to you, man. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. And here's the last thing. He said, obey him, John 14, 15. If you love me, you will do what I command. So ask yourself this question. With the baptism tank here and seeing the scripture, would Jesus ask you to do something that was not good for you? He's asked you to do this, and if you love him, you'll do it. If you love, you're not doing it for me. I've already been baptized. Sometimes people are like, okay, pastor, I'll do it for you. Like obeying God is like for my benefit. Like you obeying God like gets me, you know, extra points up in heaven. Listen to me, my friend. I'm going to heaven. You can bust hell, hell wide open if you want to. That's up to you, but I'm going to get me some of the glory. Amen? So why should you get baptized today? Not because your pastor is some used car salesman. Come on, come on, get baptized. Get baptized. No, because you love Jesus. I love him. There's some water put me down in the liquid grave amen oh praise god here's another thing i want you to know that's one reason is because jesus commanded it everybody say jesus commanded it that's the one reason now what is the benefit one benefit is that you will demonstrate the salvation that Christ did in you. That is the purpose of a public baptism. It is the purpose for you to do it here. You're going to demonstrate that which Christ has done in you. Now, here's the thing. Who does not have to get baptized today? The person that's not saved. That you do not need to get baptized. We don't want to force you into salvation. Or the person who has been baptized and is living for Jesus. But if you are saved and you have not get, been given the appropriate baptism, you should want to do this because the benefit is you'll display God's work in your life to this congregation today. And you'll have some boldness. And I love what the old evangelist used to say. Put the day you got saved in your Bible and put the other day you got baptized there. And whenever the devil reminds you of your past, you point to that and remind him of his future in hell and say, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I have been changed. No weapon formed against me will prosper. I can do all things through Christ who is in me and gives me the strength. Amen. So it should be a special day for you. Let's look at this scripture, Romans 6, 1 through 4. Paul said, what shall I say then? Shall I go on sinning that the grace may increase? Because some people say, well, now that we've been forgiven, let's keep on sinning. And Paul says, no, don't do that by no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in that or in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we may too live a new life. What does baptism represent when you're doing it? Well, if you look at Jesus' life, he was crucified, died on the cross, he was buried, and then he rose again. 
When you accept Christ into your heart, you understand your sinfulness, you repent of your sins, you receive a new life. Well, how does baptism fit right in the middle of that to show us all this? Well, you come in here dry. And that is to symbolize you're lost without God, you're empty on the inside, you're dry. Then you go, that means you're dead in your sins. Then you go into the water. Now this represents your burial, and you're halfway in, halfway out. It's your decision. But when you confess Christ, they bury you down in there. That's why it's a submersion. It's not a sprinkle. You're buried in that tomb, that liquid grave as we call it. You're identifying with your old life, your dry life, changing down here. And then when you come up, you're never the same again. Literally, you're wet, your hair's messed up, mascara running everywhere, tears come down your eyes. Now you're, cla- you're clapping, you're happy because you're different now. Amen? That's what it represents. Salvation is represented in that baptism. And why it's done publicly, as we just learned, is Jesus wants you to get a reminder of what he did in your life. Just like when you take communion, that is to be done to remind you of what his flesh, how it's torn for you, and how his blood was poured out for you. Baptism reminds you of the death, burial, and resurrection that Jesus went through so that you could be dead, buried in your old man, and live again for Christ. Amen? And then lastly, the one sin, and I mean this in all sincerity, and I love you. Now, you can ask me a question. You could say, Pastor, or if I don't get baptized today, you know I'm supposed to. Can I come back to the church? Yes, because we let people come to the church who are in sin. But the question that, uh, that you have to ask yourself is, do I want to sin against the Lord? Now, this is where it gets serious, and I want you to hear my heart. If I, as a preacher, do not tell you the importance of this, I am not a good preacher. Are you all listening to me? I could write a new book instead of your best life now and make every day a Friday. I could say make every day a Thursday. Make, I could tell you good things right now to make you feel comfortable about your life. I could cherry pick from the Bible and just, you know, we all got excited when, when I said you could, you're more than a conqueror. You could do all things. I could just tell you that all day long, but I wouldn't be a good preacher. And don't buy into those people who tell you that that whole time because they don't love you. Good doctors tell you what sickness you have if you're sick. If you come in with pancreatic cancer and they start touching around and they feel it and you feel it and then they they say, well, I don't want to ruin their day. I'm just going to tell them they got a tummy ache. Take some Pepto-Bismol and some uh, Flintstone vitamins. How many know if you find out you have cancer from another doctor, you are going to sue them for malpractice? And how many know if you go to heaven and you stand before God and God says, listen, why didn't you do this? You say, well, my preacher said it didn't matter. I could do it whenever I felt like it. No, that's not what the Bible says. If you're saved, you get baptized. That's what it said. And I'll show you what the sin is if you don't. It's one sin. Mark 8, 38. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Now, if you are not saved, if you are saying, Pastor, I have not committed my life to Jesus, you have to understand that does nullify you from getting baptized. You may go, but you are now admitting you're going to hell. You understand? If you admit you are not saved, you have not confessed Christ, he is not the Lord of your life, you have to understand, my friend, if you die today, you would go to hell. If that is not you, if you have confessed Christ and you have said, I have believed in Christ, I have confessed my sins, he is now saying to you through this preacher and this water, you showed up here today, it's no accident, this is what God is saying, repent of your sins and be baptized. But I'm not ready yet. You are ashamed of me in this sinful generation. Well, I'm not sure yet. Well, then you're not saved yet. You see, you will not have it both ways. You will not walk out of here and go, I am saved, I am going to heaven, but I'm just not ready to get baptized. Do you understand? If you walk out of here saying that, you are sinning. 
You are saying, could you imagine uh, Peter saying to those guys, okay, you've just repented, let's get baptized. And everybody goes, I'm not ready to get baptized. You know what they would say? You're afraid of him. You are a part of a sinful, wicked generation. You are ashamed. And when Jesus comes, he will be ashamed of you. Now, that's tight, but it's right. Amen? James chapter 4, verse 17. See, I love you because I tell you the truth. Amen? I tell you the truth. James 4, 17 says it very simply. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, he sins. And so that doesn't just go to baptism. And yes, we allow sinners in the church. We allow people to come here who don't do all the good they're supposed to. But those people are not serving God the way God intended us to. We are to do all the good we can, whenever we can, for as long as we can. There is to be no excuse for sin in our life. Well, pastor, do you ever sin? Yes, I do. But I make it right. And I don't just say to God, I'm going to keep on sinning because you're going to keep on forgiving. That is not the right heart. The Christian says, at any given time, you should be able to ask somebody here that calls himself a Christian, are you doing all the good that God told you to do? And that Christian should be able to say, yep, giving it 100%. Giving 100%. No internet pornography on my computer. I'm not cheating on my wife. I'm not looking at this. I'm giving it everything I have. And when that sin comes into my heart, it comes in, boop, boop, boop. Alarm goes off. Conviction comes. And I repent before God. And I remain in that state of purity because purity is what God wants me to be because he said, be holy for I am holy. Amen. Now, that may not be popular preaching, and I'll give you 10 brochures from 10 other churches that will tell you otherwise. But as long as you're here, this is what you're going to hear. If you say, Pastor, you've offended me, this is my last message, well, at least as the door hits your backside, you will know with the ringing in your, your heart, the preacher told you you're in sin and get your life right. Amen. If my last message is to you to do the good of God and live for him, then let that be my last message. I will stand before God, sir. I will stand before God, ma'am, on that word of God. Confidently, I told you the truth. Amen. Now I want to just have you look at this uh, logical system, and you can see if it's airtight because I believe it is. If you are saved, you are to obey Jesus' commands, John 14, 15. Number two, Jesus commands you are to be baptized at the certainest point you can. Mark 16, 16, as a matter of fact, most people who take this literally go, Joe, you wait too long. Joe, you need to get them baptized the same week. I'm telling you. Most people who study the Bible say, Joe, you're waiting way too long. You, you, you go every three to six months. You need to do it every week. And I'm starting to feel conviction on that to give you guys more chances to be baptized. But we haven't had this. But as soon as you can. You know, if you can't, you can't. But once you can, to refuse it. Number three, therefore, to be disobedient to God's word, James 14, 17, your sin is being ashamed of professing him in public. So how does it go? If you're saved, you obey his commands. One of his commands is to get baptized. And if you are saved now and you can get baptized and you're saying, I don't want to, that is a sin. Ben, would you come forward, please, as we stand up today to get ready to be baptized? Would you bless the Lord for his word as you stand up to your feet? Amen. Three things I wanted you to know today about baptism. Number one, one reason to get baptized, if you haven't been, is because Jesus commanded it. Number two, I wanted you to have one benefit. The Bible says that being baptized is salvation, is demonstrated through your life. You will change today up here, and you will help change others. Number three, one sin, if you refuse baptism, is the sin of being ashamed of who Christ is and what he did for you. It's the truth. Say that because I love you. I want to ask you a question as you look at this picture, and I want to tell you a little bit about it. Are you willing to be baptized today? You know who this is? This is a young man 
living in a Muslim country. Muslims have a law against apostasy. If you change your religion, it is their job to kill you. Well, in some of these countries, Sudan, Somalia, Ethiopia, some of the Middle Eastern states, they say, well, we don't want to be killing all these converts to Christianity because Christianity is taking over the land. They say, what we'll do is we'll just cut off the men's arms. It's very easy to find out if you're a Christian in a Muslim nation because they pray five times a day in the middle of their job, their work, and if you don't hit your knees and face Mecca, they know something's up. So one day they were praying and he didn't hit his knees. I don't know where he was, but they found out real quick. What's wrong? Why aren't you praying towards Mecca? Why aren't you saying the Salat, the prayers of the Islamic faith? And at that moment, he had to confess his faith in Jesus Christ. He had only been a believer in Jesus a few days. A few days. But he knew not to bow towards Mecca, an idol. They took him. And they butchered him and they cut off his arms. Think about that. Drug him out into the public square with an axe and just right in front of everybody and said, this is what happens to those who don't want to follow Islam in this country. He goes back home. They bandage him. It's an agricultural country. He'll never be able to farm, take care of his family, hold his daughter, his children. The story behind this is, is the moment his arms got healed, he grabbed a hold of one of the missionaries. And he said, will you baptize me now? Because I want to let the whole world know I'm still following Jesus. Preacher got in the water with his clothes. Man got in the water with his clothes. And he said, this is what it means to me to follow Jesus. It's what it means. I'm a Christian, and I'm not ashamed, and I'll stand up for Christ right now. Even if they kill me, I'll go to heaven to be with Jesus. So the question I want to ask you today is, are you willing to get baptized? you willing to get in the water with the preacher today? you willing to confess your faith? It doesn't matter if you're a first-time visitor. If you've heard the word, and Jesus wants to, you, you know, you want to get saved, and you want to do it, let's do it today. Jesus loves you. Don't, and this is the preacher on record. Don't let anybody say I manipulated you. All I did is I preached the word of God to you as if a man believed it. Because I believe it. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that today baptism was a command that you gave. And it helps us, Lord, step out of our flesh, our shyness. And it helps proclaim your salvation to this world. And it encourages you. You look down from heaven and you go, that's my daughter. That's my son. I love them. I am pleased with them. And so, Lord, today I thank you for this opportunity. And I ask you now to rid us of any fear that we may have, any fear in this place today of getting baptized. Lord, I pray those that need it, you would take away that fear. And right now, Lord, I pray that you would put it in the heart of those who need it. I am not their judge. And I'm not going to go around this church and say, well, why didn't you and shouldn't you? Lord, I pray you speak to them and give them the courage to go forth and do it in these remaining minutes. With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, would you look at your life right now and ask yourself, have I been appropriately baptized? Appropriately baptized. God will speak it to you.
If you have not been appropriately baptized, would you ask the Lord to give you his blessing to be baptized today? Ask him for courage, whatever you're facing. If you're already just, man, let me at it, Pastor. I'm ready to dive up in there, cannonball in that thing. But I want to give a few moments for some of you. You might be a visitor or, you know, you, you show up every now and then at Metro Press. You're like, whoa, wasn't ready for this today. I want to give you a few moments. We're going to get some of those worship songs that we were singing, if we can get them on the board. Because when I pray then, we're going to simply go into the back to the office. The congregation here is going to worship. If you have things you got to do and you don't want to stay for baptism, no condo bondo, we love you. But it's going to be a lot of fun. So this is what we're going to do with every head bowed, nice clothes. I'm going to give you a few moments to pray. The band is going to start worshiping. And those who want to get baptized are just going to walk straight out the back. We're going to go to the administration office. They're going to hand you T-shirts. They got them ready for you to pick out in your size. They're going to give you shorts, and they'll explain to you what you got to do. And then we're, while they're singing, we're all going to get ready and then come back. And those of you here that are going to be worshiping, just set the atmosphere for us in here. Come on, just worship that when we come back in, man, it's going to be so powerful in this place. So I'm going to give you 30 seconds right now to decide what you're going to do. Right now, pray for those in this church right now, friends, that you know need to get baptized. Some of the life group leaders, come on, pray for them. Jesus, we pray for baptisms. Oh, devil, loose them. Loose them from that mind of negativity. Loose them from condemnation and bondage in the lives of Satan. They can live for God. God said they're saved already and they're going to be baptized. Devil, you can't have them. You can't have their family. You might say, Pastor, what if I stumble and fall? Well, I stumbled and fall a bunch of times. God will forgive you. God will forgive you. 15 more seconds. Come on, pray with me, church. That some people who are in the valley of decision will hear the word of God today. Amen. Let's get those words up. Let's start to worship. Those who are ready, just worship with us. Those that are going to get baptized, start heading to the back. And we're going to do this. We'll be back in about three minutes. God bless you. Set me free, I am yours. I am forever yours. The mountains high and heavy low. I sing now and I my soul. I am yours. I am forever yours. Sing what came. Oh, love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free. I am yours, I am forever yours. The mountains high, your valley low, till I sing out in my soul. And I am yours, I am forever yours. Cause I 